for me to be up here. I'm normally facing this way, but tonight I'm facing this way, um, which means that I'll be doing some different work. So I'll be doing some work up here, and I'd like you guys to do some work where you guys are. Um, tonight we're going to be in Exodus chapter 13, um, which is page number 38 in the Pew Bible. So if you want to have that open, that would be awesome. So uh, we can get into God's Word and the Scripture and what He has to say for us tonight. Um, I work at uh, Mudman Burgers, and I do all sorts of things there. And whenever I came back from Guatemala, a lot of people ask me, what's your favorite thing to do at Mudman Burgers? And... There's a little bit of this you can do. There's a little bit of that you can do. Um, but I find that whatever I'm doing at the time, that became my favorite thing. And trying to have no particular favorite, but finding the favorites in everything uh, was a real help to me to do whatever I was having to do there. Uh, and tonight we're in the book of Exodus. And I used to have a lot of favorite little books in the Bible, uh, and actually this wasn't one of my favorite books, but now that I've, I, I've been studying it, and because I grew up in the church, and Exodus is one of those books, whenever you're at Sunday school, you learn about it, and it's just kind of an amazing story, but you don't necessarily see it as how God's speaking to you through it. Um, and maybe if you're not brought up in the church, maybe it's just a, a movies that you've seen, The Prince of Egypt or The Ten Commandments, and, and you see it on the big screen. And again, it's just an amazing thing, and it's not really personal to you, and God's not speaking to you through it. Um, but for me, um, I, I'm beginning to learn that whatever book I'm reading in the Bible, that can be a favorite book for me. All the books of the Bible need to be my favorite books because God wants to teach me from each one of them. So I'm really excited. And uh, I just, uh, because this is my story, I didn't realize it before, but Exodus is actually my story, along with a lot of other stories in the Bible. But, <laughs> but tonight it's my story. So I just want to pray. Father, just uh, thank you for your word all the things that you say to us and speak to us um, through your word. Father, thank you so much for, for Jesus who has shown us what you're like. Father, I just pray as we study your word, we'd listen to your voice, Lord, that you would teach us and draw us closer to your heart and make us more like Jesus. I just pray these things in your name. Amen. There's a wee story that I'd like to just start with. There's this elderly lady, and she's sitting at the fireplace. Yesterday we were, uh, the church, everybody in the church was invited to go out to a lodge, and there was a real fire there. There's this elderly lady sitting in a rocking chair, reading her Bible, and she does it every day. And her granddaughter sees her and wonders what she's doing. She thinks she's a bit confused. Or, so she goes up to her grandmother and asks, what are you doing, Granny, sitting, reading that old book. Um, and the grandmother says to, to the granddaughter, thinking of something that will cross the generation gaps, 
that she's studying for her finals. And this isn't an old book. It's um, a real book, uh, and it speaks to us today. It doesn't belong in a museum. It's fresh and alive today for us. So hopefully while we're reading something that happened three and a half thousand years ago, that it will be real and fresh to us tonight. So we're in chapter 13. But before I get there, I just want to quickly recap on the story so far. There's some really exciting things that have happened before we've gotten to this point. There's um, different characters in the story. Um, There's the people of Israel who are in Egypt. And they've been crying out to the Lord for for help, for him to rescue them. And God isn't deaf to them. God remembers his promises to their forefathers and remembers people who are in need. God, in the New Testament, it says in James that God remembers the orphans and the widows, and that's what true religion is. And God cares for these people so much that he he listens to them and his heart is with them, and he's going to deliver and rescue his people. And that's why the book's called Exodus, because it's a rescue mission, and God has gone in. And he, he sent Moses, and Moses is an example of someone who's obedient to God. He does what God asks him to do. He goes to Pharaoh, who's the most powerful man in the world probably at that time, and asks for the people. And then there's, uh, then there's Pharaoh. Pharaoh is another character in the story. There's Moses and then there's Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is a stark contrast to Moses because he won't do what God is asking him to do. God's asking him to let the people go because God loves the people and Pharaoh wants to kill and destroy the people. So God is very patient with Pharaoh and sends ten judgments on Pharaoh. And he warns Pharaoh each time there's a judgment. And very slowly, Pharaoh's heart doesn't soften. At any point, Pharaoh could have changed his mind and done what God had asked him to. But God takes him to the point of the chapter before this, where the firstborn in Egypt, all of Egypt, if they didn't set aside their house by marking it by the blood of a lamb, they were going to be judged by God. And they were judged by God. And a lot of the firstborn in Egypt died that night. And then that broke Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh changed his mind and has decided to let the people go. And that's where we're at now. So, chapter 13, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring from every womb, among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast. It belongs to me. This is a request God's making of his people to set aside the first things. And it might seem quite strange if we hadn't have been thinking about the last chapter. God had just rescued the people from terrible bondage and slavery. He had redeemed them by the blood of the Lamb. He had saved 
all their firstborn because of the Lamb. And it's the same for us. God, it's the same for me. This is my story. God has redeemed me. He's rescued me. Colossians 1 verse 13 says, For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. God rescued me. God rescued me from a really dark place. I was really lost, but God found me. And he moved me into the kingdom of his Son. And he wants the first things from me. And all I can do is give him those things because of what he's done for me through Jesus. And these people of Israel, they're in the same position. God has rescued them and God's asking them to remember. And one of the things to help them remember is to set aside their their sons. And God isn't asking anything that he wasn't willing to do himself because he set aside Jesus his first son, but not just his his only son. It's not even a matter. He he was willing to lay Jesus down, the Lamb of God. Jesus volunteered to come here. And he lived a perfect life. And he reached out to those who needed him. And everybody needed him. And he reached out to all of them. It says that Jesus came to give us life, life to the full. In John 10.10. And he's the lamb who we can remember. And God wants us to have this relationship with him. And it's just the reasonable thing for us to do. Is to give God our first. I like watching some movies sometimes. And I particularly like sort of movies with swords in it. And sort of knights and that sort of thing. And in a lot of those movies, you see, you know, there's a big battle going on and someone's fighting and then they get overpowered by someone who's stronger than them. And then the hero in the movie comes along, the person's lying there and the person's just about to get them. And then the hero comes and saves that person. And then that person goes, out of his gratitude, I'll serve you. I'll do whatever you want me to. I want to repay this debt. And that's what... Jesus has done for us. He's rescued us from really, really bad situations, a situation that will lead to death. Um, Verse, uh, and, and then this chapter, God's setting this chapter up to help the people remember. He does, he doesn't want them to fail. He's not setting them up for failure here. He's setting them up for success. That's why he's asking them to do all these things to remember. He's not setting up a religious system. He's setting up a system for relationship. I celebrate my wedding anniversary because it's really important to me and because I love my wife. These people were to celebrate these things because God had loved them and God had rescued them. And he's, throughout this chapter, he's talking about setting up a celebrations and opportunities for the people to remember what he's done and there's maybe things that we can do to help us remember what God has done for us and what he's asking us to do so verse 3 
Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt from the house of slavery, for by the power of by the powerful hand the Lord brought you out of this place, and nothing leavened shall be eaten. On this day in the month of Abed, you are about to go forth. It shall be when the Lord brings you to the land of Canaanites, Hivites, and Amorites, Hivites, Jebusites, and which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you should observe this rite on this month. Moses is asking the people to remember what God has done for them, rescuing them, and he's also asking them to remember what God has planned for them in the future, a land flowing with milk and honey that he's going to give to them. It's important for us to remember, like the Israelites, what God has done for us, our testimonies. And it's also, and Pastor Steve Miller was sharing about that last week whenever he shared about how God had rescued him from disco to be a disciple of Jesus. And there's different things that we have come out of and moved into Jesus' kingdom, um, moved into a relationship with Jesus, moved to following Jesus and being a disciple of him. And he wants us to remember how he saved us, how he saved us through Jesus. But not just about the past. He wants us to be able to think and remember about the promises he has for us in the future. He's promised us heaven with his son Jesus. And we all have the victory in Jesus because Jesus was risen from the dead and he is our living hope. That's why I have hope after this life is because Jesus has given me his life and he's preparing a place for me in heaven. My life wasn't always like this, but Jesus found me. Before... I was just living life for myself. I was partying and trying to live the life that you see on TV or the life you see in the movies. I was living a life like a rock star. I was partying with rock stars, believe it or not. (laughs) And my life was empty and I hated life. All those things were empty and meaningless. All the success that I was looking for wasn't taking me anywhere. And it wasn't until Jesus had found me and rescued me from those situations that I found myself in. Situations that could have easily led to me being in jail or end up dead in a roadside somewhere because I've staggered there and fallen into a ditch. But Jesus was there and he pulled me out of those situations and rescued me. He found me whenever I was lost. And I'm really thankful to him. I'm really grateful because now I'm here. I've got a beautiful wife and two um, beautiful children. And he's given me so much. And my heart is his. His perfect love rescued me. And this is what each one of us have that story and 
Moses is telling the people to remember how they were rescued. But we also know that we're going to be in heaven with Jesus, that Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And that fullness of life starts now, but it keeps on going until we're in heaven. Whenever all the promises that he is going to give us are going to be fulfilled. And sometimes for us, that's a difficult thing because we want those things now. We want God's promises now. But whenever we read through, and we've been studying Hebrews, whenever we're reading through Hebrews, many of the people in the hall of faith didn't actually receive their promises until they actually died to go to be with with God. And I think that's important for us to see eternity, to have eternity in our hearts. So God's setting up the Israelites for success. He wants them to remember these things. He wants to remember the future and the past. And in the past chapter, he was also encouraging them in chapter 12 and 13 by setting up a new Mm -hmm. calendar. So God set up a new calendar for the people of Israel. But if we look at our calendar as well, we see a new year. And our calendar is set up before and after Jesus. And that's no accident. Jesus, our, um, Jesus' death is the center of history. It's the center of our history. It's the center of our world. Uh, and it's important for us to remember that. And we have things that remind us. Whenever we write on a check or we write in our diary the date, the year, that relates to Jesus. Time relates to Jesus. Eternity relates to Jesus. Also in the last chapter, we were with the people of Israel and they were to have a celebration of the Lamb. They were to celebrate the Passover feast annually. And we celebrate Easter. And we also celebrate the Lord's Supper. But the people of Israel were celebrating God rescuing one nation. We have Jesus, the Lamb of God, who's going to rescue all nations. And that's so amazing. It's, the Old Testament is just foreshadowing what God is going to do in the future. It's a picture of redemption in Exodus. And there's going to be that future redemption whenever Jesus comes for all nations. And here in Sela, we're really blessed to be... We've got so many people from everywhere. Uh, there's uh, Josh from Uganda. There's um, Jordan, who's from Australia. And you're stuck with me tonight, and I'm from Ireland. So we're getting a little bit closer, a little taste of heaven, because there's people from everywhere here in Sela. And that's, heaven's going to be amazing. Verse 6. For seven days you should eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day you should feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days. And nothing leavened shall be seen among you, nor any leaven seen among you in all your borders. Earlier in verse 
3, it says that nothing leaven should be eaten. So the leaven is a picture of sin. And the people had to get really ready fast to get out of Egypt. They had to have their clothes on and be ready to go whenever God was going to call them. There was no waiting around. And they prepared this meal and none of their bread had leaven in it. They were just ready to go out. And God's asking them here not to eat any leaven, not to see any leaven, and not even to have it amongst them. And that's a picture of sin for us. We're not to have... God doesn't want us, he doesn't want these people of Israel to have sin in their lives. He's moved them out of Egypt, out of a place of bondage and hostility to them and false idol worship and false gods and everything that was going on there. And he's moving them out into a new relationship with him and he doesn't want them to continue to sin And it's the same with us, with Jesus. Jesus has turned us around and he doesn't want us to go back to sin. He doesn't want us to go near sin. Sin is a serious thing. I have a wee story, um, and it's about Eskimos and about hunting. And hunting is such a big thing here in Montana. It really, I heard this story maybe 16 or 17 years ago. And I just have been reminded of it since I've been living here in Montana. And it's about Eskimos hunting wolves. So there's this tribe of Eskimos, and they go out and they they want to hunt wolves. So first of all, they have this special method that they they have. They they get a knife, a double-sided knife, so it's sharp on both sides. And then they get it really, really sharp, razor sharp. They spend a lot of time sharpening it, and then they go and they get one of the seals that they've trapped and killed and dip the knife in the blood, and then they take it and freeze it, and they have one layer of blood on the knife, and then they keep on doing this, one layer, two layers, three layers, four layers of frozen blood on this knife until it's totally covered, and it's almost like an icicle or a popsicle, or a nice lolly, as I would say, or really it's a kind of a bloodsicle. So they go out, they go out into the wilderness where they find a wolf tracks or they want to get rid of this wolf. So they dig a hole and they bury the handle in the hole and all that remains is this bloodsicle, this ice lolly covered in blood with the sharp knife in it. And then they go away and they wait And then the wolf smells, smells the blood. It smells good. And then they go, the wolf goes over and starts licking it. Mmm, this is food, this is good. Then he keeps on licking and he's really getting into it. And he's licking once, twice, this is good. Yeah, this is good, this is food. And then his tongue goes numb and he doesn't care because he's getting food. And he keeps on going, his tongue's numb, and then all of a sudden, his tongue is sliced on the knife. He feels the warm blood going down his throat, and that brings on more excitement, so he starts licking more ravenously, he's really going after this blood. Mmm, this is really good. Uh, And then, all of a sudden, he realizes he's getting weaker, that it's not doing anything for him anymore. He's licking it, he's, he's going at it, and he goes at it more because he, this is food, I need this. 
And all of a sudden he spends his last breaths trying to get the blood, trying to get the thing that he's after. And then he's dead. And all that's left is the sharp edge. And the Eskimos come and they have their wolf that they were looking for. But that's a picture of sin. Sin's like something that we don't want to be sniffing around. Something that we don't want to be going after, licking. Um, We don't want to get numb to it. God's warning his people. He's setting them up for success. He doesn't want them to go near sin. The wages of sin are death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. He, he doesn't want them to end up dead. He doesn't want us to end up dead. We should try and stay away from sin. We should try and put it away. Verse 8. You shall tell your sons on that day, saying... It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Israel, and it shall be a sign to you on your heads and as a reminder on your foreheads that the law of the Lord may be in your mouths. For a powerful hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Therefore you shall keep the ordinances at appointed times from year to year. God's setting up anniversaries here. He's wanting the people to remember. Now, when the Lord brings you to the land of Canaanites, as I swore to you and your fathers, and give it to you, you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The meals belong to the Lord. But every first offspring of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, then you should break its neck. And every firstborn man shall, among your sons shall be redeemed. And it shall be when your sons ask you at t- in time to come, saying, What is this? Then you should say to him, With a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. Here we have in these verses something else that we need to remember. We need to remember that we can tell people. The Israelite people are being instructed to tell their sons. And we need to tell people what Jesus has done for us. And then later on in verse 14, it says, our sons will ask. And if we're living differently, if we're living remembering God and living the life that he wants us to live, loving him and loving other people, then there'll be a difference and people will ask. The expectation here was that the sons would ask why we're living this way. And we need to be different from our neighbors. We need to be living the way Jesus lived and people will ask us and we'll be able to tell them. So Moses is reminding them to tell, to have an answer, to live in light of what God has done for us. Verse 15. 
It came about that Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrificed to the Lord the meals and the firstborn in every womb, but I redeem my sons, the firstborn. So it shall serve as a sign on your hands and on as a paraclete on your forehead, for with a powerful hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Here we see in these verses a bit of that story that I was talking about at the beginning, about why the people needed to be giving God the first, because God had rescued them. But God isn't just the rescuer. He's also the judge. He's the judge who judged Pharaoh. And he rescued the people. And sometimes we want to divorce the loving God from his justice, from his holiness and from his perfection that he wants each one of us to walk in. But we can't do that. They're one and the same. Jesus is the lover and the judge. And he wants us to have relationship with him. He wants us to turn to him full-heartedly, wholeheartedly. Jesus, whenever he was summing up the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, Jesus was being quizzed by Pharisees. and They were asking him what the greatest commandment was. And he said, foremost... Um, he, sa- he says... The Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Second is to love your neighbor as yourself. God wants us all. He doesn't compartmentalize us. He doesn't take us apart. He wants us all. He doesn't separate the physical from the spiritual. He wants us all. He wants all our thoughts to be for him. He wants our hearts, our desires, our affections to be for him. And he wants our strength. He wants our energy. He wants what we do day to day to be worshipped to him. He wants everything. And he wants that to be expressed as we love others. So we see that God is a perfect judge and a perfect lover and he rescues each one of us. The next paragraph describes some of the ways that God is leading his people it changes from remembering things to how God is leading his people and what God is doing for his people. In verse 17, Now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence God led the people around about way 
of the wilderness to the Red Sea, and the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. God could have taken them the shortest route from A to B, but he didn't. He knew what the people were like. Again, he's setting them up to succeed. He doesn't want them to go back. So he takes them a long way around. We have to be willing to go where God leads us. It might be the long way around, but there's no shortcuts in the Christian life. And it may not make any sense, but it's the way that he's asking us to go. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 to 13, is talking about these people in the Exodus and talking to Christians and telling them not to fall into the same traps that these people have fallen into. And in verse 12 and 13, I'm just going to read it for you. Therefore, let him who thinks he can stand heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. For God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation will provide a way of escape, also so that you will be able to endure it. Here the people of Israel, God has provided a way for them to avoid war with the Philistines that they're not ready for and provides a different route for them. It's the same with us. There are diff- God has a way for us. God knows the way. And the way for us is going to be Jesus. The way for us is always going to be Jesus. Jesus is going to be our way out, our way around. Whenever challenges come, Jesus is going to be there with you to help you on your way and we need to be listening to him we need to be listening to him as he leads so that we don't take shortcuts verse 19 Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear saying God will surely take care of you and you shall carry my bones from here. Joseph knew that the God was going to care for his people way back 430 odd years whenever they first came into Egypt. He knew that God was going to care for his people. And God was faithful. God did what Joseph had faith that God was going to do. It says in Hebrews that by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Joseph knew what God was like. He knew that God was going to be faithful and care for him. And we need to know the same thing. We need to know that God's faithful and cares for us in our situations wherever he's leading us even if we want 
to go somewhere. It might, be, might not be the right place for us to go. My, my son, Joel, he's three years old, and he wants to go up chair one on Big Mountain. I'm not going to take him up big chair, up chair one. He's not ready for that. So I take him on the magic carpet. My daughter, Hannah, she's six years old, and she also wants to go up chair one. And I take her over to chair three because I know that's what she can handle. God knows what we can handle. He's faithful, and he cares for us, and he provides for us. And we need to know that. We need to have that trust in a faithful God. Finally, uh, verse 20 to 22. Then they set out from Succoth to the camp in Ephraim on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord has gone going before us, before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them by the way and a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day or by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor did he, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. God is doing another amazing thing with his people in this place and in this time. He's given them a huge cloud uh, for them to follow. By day, and by night, he's given them fire again to follow, and he's with them day and night. And it's true for us God is before us and wants to direct our lives and take us where he has planned for us, and he never leaves us, whether it's day or night. And we all go through different journeys. Sometimes we're doing well and we're journeying by day and it's easy for us but at night sometimes whenever it's at night it's difficult and it's hard and we don't necessarily see where God's taking us but he's with us and he wants to direct us and he's always with us whether you're in a, a daytime or a nighttime he's always with us whether we're on a valley or in the mountains He's always with us. Whether we're on a high or a low, he's with us and he cares for us. Um, this reminds me of Paul's prayer in Ephesians. And he's praying for the church. And he's praying that they may be able to comprehend with all the saints what the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of God's love is for them in Christ. These people have had the cloud and the fire with them day and night over that period of time when God was with them. They had the great rescue out of Egypt. They seen God's great judgments on Egypt. And we'll see what they'll do in the next chapter next week. God's setting them up for success. He wants them to, to win. He wants us to win. He wants us to remember the things that he's done in our lives. 
He wants us to look to the future and to remember as well. He doesn't want us to toy with sin. He wants us to stay clear of sin. He wants us to put it to death. And he goes before us. And he's ever-present. And we have an opportunity to witness to people as well. I'm from Ireland, and uh, there's a, a prayer that apparently St. Patrick prayed. And it's a, a really great prayer, and it's helped me uh, as a model, as a type of prayer. Um, but I pray it, and I mean it. I don't just pray it, and you know, it's not just a religious thing. But St. Patrick prayed this prayer. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ to my right, Christ to my left. Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eyes of all who see me, Christ in the ears of all who hear me. Patrick knew that God was all around him. He knew that he was hemmed in by Jesus. He was safe with Jesus. Jesus was going to rescue him and was with him whenever he was facing difficult situations. And he also wanted people to know the Jesus that he knew. He wanted them to see in his life Jesus. He wanted to hear Jesus from his lips and his actions in the way he lived his life. And Patrick brought Christianity to Ireland and changed the whole country because he was bringing Jesus. These people, the Israelites, have been rescued and God's plan for them was to bless the whole world through them. And we are part of this story. Each one of us has been rescued by Jesus, or maybe you're just hearing about Jesus and you want to know more, or maybe you're struggling with sin or things in your life that you want freedom from, freedom from bondage. You need help with that. I would invite you to come up at the end and have prayer. I'm sure there'll be a couple of people who will be willing to pray with you if you need help with any of those situations. So I just want to just close. Just to to remember that we need to set aside the first things for Jesus. We need to remember our past and our future with Jesus. We need to remember the present to avoid sin We need to remember to be able to tell and to answer and to live. We need to remember that Jesus is our judge and our lover. And we need to remember that God leads us and he knows the way. And he cares for us. And he fulfills his promises like a gentleman. 
And God goes before us and is ever present with each one of us. This isn't just an old book. This book has life for each one of us through his spirit. Whenever we read it, he talks to us. He wants our hearts. He wants our lives. I just want to pray. And if the worship team wants to come up.